you know, in a game, BP live, I don't want you thinking about mechanics. We're working on mechanics when we're doing front toss T when we're actually in the cages. You don't necessarily have to do that with the pro guys. All right, we are back with another episode of Champion School. Champion School, we're sitting down with the brightest minds in the game, chatting a little bit of baseball, chatting a little bit of life. My name is Ray McIntyre. That's Austin Byler, BZB. How are you, man? Doing great, man. I'm loving the pop combo there between the the, the sweater jacket to the, the canvas in the back and the coffee cup. I already put my note down to go order those, so this is exciting. It looks good. Shout out to Mike, Trish, Mutant Printing. I say it every day. Um, and and if you're listening, we're going to be contacting you about potentially some more business coming your way. So uh, excited about that. Fired up about the gear. I uh, Fired up about today's episode with Bianca Smith who is the first African-American baseball coach in professional baseball. Okay. I wanted to make sure that was clearly right. She's with the Red Sox. Awesome person. A little bit of a nerdy side like me, you know, we like our comics and whatnot. So, uh, but really cool conversation with her today. uh, And we're excited for that. Before we jump into that, before we jump into good news, how's MLU been doing? Uh, You just came back from a pretty cool trip. Uh, We would say it's MLU related. Count it. You know, so, count it. Uh, <laughs> I run it what, do you, what do you got? What'd you do this last weekend? Yeah, man. So good things happening for MLU. We've got a good schedule lined up here for the spring going into the summer, uh, working on a couple of dates and some adjustments. And, and other than that, we're pretty much set up for success, which is really good. And then uh, we have a college summer team in Laramie, Wyoming. So we spent some time there this last weekend, a little cooler and colder than normal. Yeah. So the first day I got there was like five degrees, snow everywhere. And the wind was like 90 mile per hour Reno winds. It was insane. Uh, it actually made Reno winds feel good (laughs) it's like a light breeze in reno so uh we're we're excited about that we met with some awesome people there we're gonna have a great camp circuit coming up this summer and then moving on into the next following years it's gonna be a great opportunity for us there and then uh working on getting into the good old wyo man they they love their wyoming sports there they love the university i think it'd be a great opportunity there to meet some key stakeholders and really plant something special in the town so we're excited man to give some kids some opportunities this summer collegiately uh, as well as have some awesome coaches in there pouring into these guys and then building some in that community you're are you're moving out there right for the summer yeah i'll be taking the plunge man we'll be we'll be moving out there into may is it into may oh my yeah. do, you, do you guys have a place yet no we do not no? <laughs> we're working gonna... on that <laughs> okay right on I'm, I'm sure there's some spots in laramie um yeah. that you'll be able to find but yeah no i'm excited that and whoever did your guys's logo uh, you've told me before but uh did an awesome job with the bison's logo and uh branding with that so whoever you guys have coming in to play for that team is going to be pretty hyped on the gear there yeah the gear is going to be sweet and then obviously having aaron with harmony sports uh, they're one of our partners with project sandline he does an amazing job uh getting great apparel from all ends between jerseys and the workout gear and just hooking the players up doing it the right way so we're excited about that as well yeah if you're a pob holder and we haven't gotten that link up yet because we're going to make sure we get the discount right and, and lined up but uh obviously harmony sports has done such a great job with all the gear that they put out and they're going to be able to provide that for our people our our pob holders that are coaches our pob holders that are parents or guys athletes just trying to look for some new gear uh, we'll be able to deck that out for them too so excited about that partnership uh and excited about the show for you guys today so uh, let's get into the good news of the week 
All right. Welcome back. Good news of the week. Uh, this week, we have a couple different things. Uh, I'm going to let you kick it off, and then I'm going to dive into a little bit on my side on the college baseball side. But uh, you kick us off. Well, the college baseball is exciting. How about what, what's happening with college sports? I'm loving the college baseball and softball right now. It's so exciting, and people are really getting invested, and uh, we'll see what happens there. But that is not my good news of the week here. My good news of the week, I heard on the radio the other day, it's an incredible story, and this is how faith comes into a lot of things in our life is – there was this Nigerian pastor and he was kidnapped by a bunch of refugees, some young children, right? Like these kids are like 12 to 15 years old, hold them at gunpoint. They, they uh, capture him. And I, I believe some of his, his other people, members of the church, and they're holding them hostage, right? They're holding these guys hostage. And instead of freaking out, this pastor, instead of freaking out, going crazy, yelling and, and whatever it might be, he decides to treat him with grace. And he tells him, he says, Hey, like, do you guys need any water? What can I do for you? How can I help serve you? How can I bring you some food? Can I make you a meal? Can I, can I take you in? Can I preach to you? Can I do this? He starts serving these kids. And this is how God works. And so he goes uh, from being kidnapped by these young kids to these kids asking him, hey, how do I get baptized? How do I get saved? Because I've never seen anything like this in my life. So what an amazing story, how you get kidnapped in your own country. And these, these young kids see Jesus and God or whatever you want to believe in this guy and they change their lives around and they get out of that terrible stuff that they're doing. They're obviously kidnapping people and they change their life around by one person, just treating them with some grace and serving them and and showing true servant leadership. It was incredible. So I thought that was a great good news of the week. What, so what happened to the kids? Did, do we have any like Uh, full circle on the story or like, I I don't have any details on the kids, but I believe they were, they were all baptized by the church there. I believe they're now attending the church. I don't know what they're doing now, but it was just an incredible story to see how things work and for him to be in that position. And he could have gone a million different ways, but to still lead with his heart and, and treat people how he believes they should be treated. I mean, that is just incredible. And now those kids are saved man. I don't know how many kids there were, but they're all hopefully living a better life than they were before that happened lord of the flies bro <laughs> that's crazy so incredible um yeah i i think and and you can take that into your everyday life too or you should right is <clears throat> there's a lot of times where someone will do us wrong or cut us off or or you know do something that we feel is against us or you know harmful to us obviously they're not holding us at gunpoint very often right but yeah. um you know to to lead with grace lead with your heart and and see the good in everybody, even if they're not in their best place. Like that's vitally important. So love that. Um, great job, by the way, (laughs) uh, good news of the week on the college baseball side. And I'll let you jump in on any of these, um, that you've might've seen, heard about red because college baseball kicked off. It's been crazy, crazy busy week for everybody to get involved. And we have so many friends, um, teammates, even pop holders that are out playing and competing already. Uh, I just wanted to run through a couple of them that, that stood out to me. Uh, Arizona coach Juan, coach Hale, uh, Willie G down there starting off with a three Oh weekend. Uh, really good job this weekend. They played some tough opponents, Kansas state, Oklahoma, Texas tech. That one fired me up 13 to two win over Texas tech to wrap up the week. Let's Sorry, coach that. Tadlock, <laughs> you know, uh, number two LSU. And this is one I'm sure you can talk about cause you were there. Well, not at this game, but you're you've been there. Uh, three and zero this weekend. They outscored Maine fifty-one to fifteen. They're going to win the College World Series. They're too good. <laughs> like you, you have you have three three Golden Spikes winners hitting one, two, three. 
let alone yeah. like the pitching is just going to start coming along. They are in their environment. When I watch them play a little bit and then obviously spending some time with them, but then I see the game, like there's some swagger about those dudes, man. Like yeah. it's just a different crew. And you can tell when a team's I, a lot like Arizona, man, I think Arizona's got some swag too this year and mm-hmm. they just play with a different pep in their step. Now we'll see when they go up against Vandy and obviously the big dogs, but I, I'm not real worried on that. end. I think those dudes in that lineup can handle anything coming their way. So it, yeah. that's going to be exciting. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree on LSU. I agree on the Arizona side, too. I saw a video of Chase Davis. Uh, I believe his name's Chase Davis, who hit a ball. I mean, he looked like Juan Soto. It's J.J. Matajevic four or five, six years later. Uh, pretty impressive player uh, over there. LSU, Arizona. I'm hoping I'm hoping they don't face off in a super or something, because I would love to see them just wind up where we're going to be at june yeah make sure you're there if you're a pob holder we're gonna have a pob holder meetup a little little uh drop in there bucket uh also moving down the line usd shout out to usd cam vasquez obviously a pob holder three and one on the weekend they scored 47 runs against oregon in four games uh we always said get to seven that's getting to 10 plus so very nice job by those boys this weekend hawaii uh troop and coach hill over there at uh split two and two against uh wazoo opening the weekend with um or opening the year with them utrgv uh rio grande valley and and i've never actually been out there um in in that part of texas but a uh, former player of mine pop holder alex kelch really great job three and oh this weekend from those boys 33 to four outscored george washington pretty incredible and then one more shout out not a pop holder not a not a former team well former teammate of mine uh, Victor Romero over there at OK State. He's the the uh, director of baseball operations. He's been there with the, for a long time. I played with him when I was growing up. Awesome dude. They took two games from Vandy at Vandy to open the year. What do you got on that one? Oh, not a bad start right there, man. Hey, oh, sorry man. about it, man. That's pretty impressive. You go down there. How about the uh, uh, was it Bryant that went down to Eastern Carolina and swept dude. in their place? I mean, that's yeah. a good team too. So think about that. And shout out Nevada going down to Grand Canyon. That's not an easy place to play either. That place was popping this weekend, and they took two out of three. And they, I mean, they brought the hit and sticks. Uh, I was impressed. Dude. So. Shout out to to Nevada and the Wolfpack. Um, they're off to a good start. And and Coach Stank and and the boys at GCU. They're they're not a slouch team that is mm. that is not an easy series to roll in there and win so excited to see them uh, i think they're going to be out this way at some point i don't think they have a midweek against davis but i'd love to get out and see them and, and watch them compete because they got a good thing going i got one so, more too ray this is in yeah. the college softball sector so university of north florida they swept michigan state this last weekend um i've gotten to get on a couple of zoom calls with uh her name's hallie aarons and then her brother colson i've worked with colson for a little while they're new to arizona Great kids. Awesome kids. Colson has a massively bright future. He's been killing it. He's a junior two sport athlete, but Hallie was named like kind of fourth on the depth chart of pitching after being one or two the year before came back, had a really good conversation, kept her head down, kept working. And now was the pitcher of the week this last year or this last That's week. Awesome. So what a cool story. Like didn't get to pitch opening week disappointed obviously kind of kind of upset and then used it as motivation and say didn't stop working didn't hang her head came back out there and had two really good uh outings and they play florida this week for uh today and tomorrow so that was pretty exciting i was pretty excited when i saw that there uh, this morning actually and um so good for her shout out to her 
That's awesome. North Florida is pretty deep. That's a, that's a ways out there. That's yeah, I don't even know where that is. Yep. <laughs> Somewhere in North Florida. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, the, and last one, I guess I'll, I'll tack one more on because I heard this story. I thought it was cool. Wrap around back to Arizona. Dawson, that's young man that I was, uh, I had the pleasure of recruiting with back when I was working there. Uh, really awesome dude. Very smart kid. He uh, went there. His sister also ended up going to Arizona Sunday. They both notched wins, Arizona softball, Arizona oh, baseball, the sister-brother combo for, for the teams, for the squad. So cool story. I think it was Sunday. but That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Uh, let's move on to the next segment. Awesome segment for Good News of the Week this week. But uh, let's dive, in, dive into Chew on This presented by Grinds. All right, chew on this this week, uh, and I'll start off with a story before you kind of dive into the message on it. But um, we talked a little bit. I heard the story. It's a young boy and a horse are entering this forest. Right, they're trying to get through this forest to get the other side to this town that they're all that they're headed to. Just the boy and this horse. The forest is crazy foggy. They it's so thick that they just can't see where they're going. Right, and the boy's complaining to the horse. Somehow this horse can magically talk, right? So the boy goes, horse, I can't see anywhere. I can't see where I'm going. We have to turn back. And the horse says, can you see your next step? And he said, yes. I said, well, take that. And I think that really solidified it for me. And I think it dives into our message today about one step forward that uh, you can go ahead and dive into. Yeah. First, first of all, I wish I had a talking horse. Cause that'd be awesome. <laughs> I know, I know, Emac, right. where are you at? You got a, right. you got some special powers with the horses. Like just, just share with me. I don't need a ride. I just want to talk to it. Uh, you're right though. The story is so good. And, and after hearing that story too, it's such a powerful message because we, one, we need people around us that can help us see through the forest sometimes. And, and that's where like all sorts of opinions and different good role models and people in our life is important. But the other thing is like, Hey, we want to get to these levels, whether it's a really good business or successful, whether it's uh, being a professional athlete or even college athlete, winning a championship. And it all starts with that one step, that one step. And it's like a really small step too. It all starts with just getting out of your comfort zone, being bold and courageous and moving in the right direction. And we might not know the right direction every time, but if we take steps forward, if we just keep moving our feet, we're going to get to where we want to be eventually in our life. And so I think it's a perfect timing for what we're doing here with between our, our companies and the things that we're trying to create as well well as for the collegiate and high school athletes starting their season this spring with baseball and softball and really diving into where they want to go and the things that they want to achieve this year is one step. And if you feel like you're backtracking a little bit, just take another step forward, find another way, ask a friend, ask the horse, right? I have somebody else in your life that can speak some wisdom to you because we need those types of people on our journey. So um, what a powerful story too. I think that's great too. Cause you're talking about taking a step forward, but that goes for like, if you're trying to break a habit too, like sometimes it can be really hard if we're talking like snoozing the alarm, for example, to go, Hey, this next week, every day, I'm going to get up at five and it's going to happen. You know, who knows? But if we can just say, Hey, tomorrow, like when I get up tomorrow, I'm going to get out of bed, whatever time that alarm goes off, I'm up and out. And then if the next day you get tired and you decide then that you're not going to get up early, that's fine. But at least it's one step in the right direction and you're not just continuing to build on those bad habits and, and, and grow in that, that realm. So great call. Great call on the, today's Chew on This presented by Grinds. Um, diving into the interview today, Bianca Smith, uh, coach with the Red Sox. She's uh, come up and made her way up. I think she was initially trying to be a GM uh, and move into that, but she's 
fallen in love with the coaching side. And um, we actually have Bobby Dahlbeck who's out there. I'm sure she's met him. I haven't, we didn't actually ask her about it, but um, she's making a huge impact in that realm and, and really paving the way for a lot of female coaches to come up on the big league side when there's not a lot of representation on that area. So um, let's go ahead and dive into the interview and then we'll chat a little bit afterwards. Bianca Smith. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Champion School Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Byler, with Ray Mack over there to my right. And we have a very special guest today, Bianca Smith. She's the first African-American female baseball coach in professional baseball. Let's go with the Red Sox. Uh, fired up for you, Bianca. But first and foremost, before we dive into your story, how are you doing today? I am doing great. I can't complain. Um, thanks for having me on. But uh, yeah, I'm still coaching baseball, even in the off season. So I'm still living the dream. <laughs> yeah. Does, does the off season grind like, or sorry, does the in season grind ever turn to the off season? It's like, it seems like it's like a year round thing for, for professional sports, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, I will say for some of us coaches, I know several who will actually take time off. Yeah. I am not one of those mainly because I don't know how to do it. Like it takes people, they have to convince me to actually take a vacation. Otherwise I'm like, okay, yeah, I got this week. I can coach this week. I'll coach here. This like, I find places to go, but I mean, people have said it's, it's not work when you love what you do. And I truly love what I do. So I enjoy spending my free time getting to coach other places. Oh, that is so awesome. And making a big impact too, right? In any community that you're in. We were joking off, off air that uh, you escaped the snow from leaving Texas and going North. It's like, (laughs) Texas could sit with this snowstorm. I'm sure we'll dive into it, but uh, that was just awesome. But but first and foremost, Bianca, I want to kind of dive into your story, like really as, as a young girl, as a young woman growing up and, and getting into sports, um, what drove you to eventually pursue not only baseball, but to be a coach? And then at the professional ranks, diving into that aspect of things, like really what's been your driving force and, and kind of what's some of your story? Yeah, it was a long winding road. Um, definitely not your traditional coaching path or just path to coaching. So I, uh, my mom introduced me to the game when I was four. So I've been a fan, you know, since I was a little kid, actually didn't play it though. I played soccer for nearly 10 years. Um, there just wasn't really an opportunity for me to play up until I got to high school. And even then I only started playing softball because my mom told me I wouldn't make my high school soccer team. So I needed a backup sport. And of course that kind of, I, I was actually really upset about that, but you know, I listened to my mom started trying to play softball it's crazy because the first time I played, my coach said, oh, great. If you could play two sports, you could pitch. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I've never even seen a softball game before. How do you know I could pitch? Well, he had me in. I would come in after our starter and I was so slow. I would strike um, strike girls out because they just couldn't figure <laughs> out the timing, but never pitched again. <laughs> uh, but I did you know, play softball in high school. My mom was right. I, I got cut from my soccer team three days into my freshman year. Um, I hated running. It's kind of hard Same. when uh, yeah. you're playing yeah. soccer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'd looked out. I was always on a team that was really good and I was a defender. So all I had to do was just stay back, wait for the ball to get to me. I'd kick it up to the forwards and then I would sit down and pick flowers. <laughs> like that's right. It really wasn't much for me to do. Um, so yeah, I played softball in high school. I got to college, you know, I went to Dartmouth college, graduated with bachelor's in sociology and I cheered all four years. I walked on to my uh, to the softball team my junior year and then joined the club baseball team two months later. 
So yeah, I did a couple of other things. I was working for the baseball team, uh, working in the dining services. You'll, you'll figure this out pretty quickly with my story. Like I am not good at not being busy. Yeah, right. <laughs> like if I have free time, I find a way to fill it up with something. So I stayed busy at Dartmouth, but that's about the time I decided I wanted to work in baseball. I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian my entire life, even worked in our local vet hospital. I took one biology class my freshman year and went, this is not for me, mainly because the classes were at 830 in the morning and I'm not a morning person. <laughs> like, I can't even make it to class. How am I supposed to be a biology major? Yeah. So um just kind of fell into it. I was working at a local YMCA back home, just keeping score for basketball. And I looked around and thinking, this is awesome. Like, I love this atmosphere. I never thought about the fact that, you know, everybody sees professional athletes, but nobody thinks about the people behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. So I realized, you know, somebody's got to do this for a living. I bet I could do this. And I knew it was going to be baseball. Like I joked with people, football was my backup sport, but I was going to make baseball work. Um, so yeah, after college, I took a year off. I was planning on studying for the GMAT and the GRE. My initial goal was general manager. I hadn't thought about coaching just yet, just because I'd never seen a woman coaching. So it just never occurred to me that I could. And uh, I, we had, you know, assistant general managers who were women. And in my family, you always aim for the top. Like, doesn't matter what it's in. You, you don't limit yourself. You aim for the highest goal possible. And so for me at the time, it was general manager. And I knew that, you know, having a business degree would help, you know, the business side uh, eventually kind of fell into the law degree. But, you know, I took that year off, ended up going to Case Western. I graduated in 2017 with a dual JD MBA in sports law and sports management. Worked as director of baseball operations. That's when I kind of started coaching about 2015, started running drills on the field started throwing batting practice, evaluating our outfielders. I'd already been doing stats in the dugout. And I joke the, um, the actual act of getting into uniform had nothing to do with the coaching aspect. It was actually because anytime we had VP, I was always in the outfield shagging balls. And, you know, as a former athlete, sometimes you just can't help it. Your body takes over and I (laughs) still have a habit of diving or sliding for fly balls. I went through two pairs of sweats, two pairs of jeans and three pairs of shorts in two years. <laughs> nice. And I still have like white shorts that will, that grass stain will never get out. So finally I went to our coach and went, I need baseball pants. Like I'm tired of going through all these clothes. <laughs> That's actually what got me into uniform was because I was just tired of ruining my, my wow. pants. <laughs> um, but I, about that point, I kind of realized like I loved being on the field, loved working with the athletes, loved being in the dugout with them, just learning from the coaches listening to the players talk. Um, I still kind of stuck with general manager though, because that's what everybody expected me to do. So went to the Texas Rangers, started as baseball operations intern there. Uh, They sent me to scout school, which was awesome. I got to learn the terminology, realized I knew a lot more than I thought. I just kind of needed the wording down. Being able to read the scouting reports um, was helpful. And from there, moved up to New York City, worked in the commissioner's office as a scouting bureau intern took care of all the medical paperwork for the draft. I ran the MRI program for the pitchers. We went from four people in our, um, like basically working in that department down to two because two of them ended up getting new jobs. So by like March, as everything starts to ramp up, it was just the two of us prepping like 1500 worth, like players worth of medical paperwork in preparation for the draft. 
so that was a lot of fun, but then also realized like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I hate being in the office. I hate wearing business casual. Like I, I want to be back on the field. So after reaching out to, um, I think I reached out to about a hundred D one coaches and around 20, 25 got back to me and only one was able to offer me a coaching job, but it was so low pay that I really, I couldn't afford it. I applied for a director of baseball operations positions too, thinking, you know, did this for four years. I got this. I got three interviews and no offers. So wow. moved back to Texas, uh, moved in with my parents. I worked as a volunteer assistant coach at the university of Dallas and worked seven part-time jobs at the same time. Holy and cow. Yeah. <laughs> like, and not those like you sit around in an office. I was doing Target, Dollar Tree, UPS, Night Shift, Uber Eats, FC Dallas. I was a tour guide for the Rangers and a youth academy coach for the Rangers. So maybe two hours of sleep a day, 15, 20 minutes in between each shift to grab like a Pop-Tart or something easy to eat. Um, Nearly burned out. Thankfully, you know, kept with it. My parents were the ones who kind of pushed me through because I did call my dad crying once saying, I can't do this anymore. And he convinced me to keep trying. Uh, thank God he did, you know, Reds reached out to me. I, um, got their, one of their baseball operations trainee positions, and that's kind of really what truly got me started on my coaching path is I spent the first half of that internship, basically in the front office, reached out to the coaches for advice. And when they didn't have time to sit down with me, I went down to the field with uh, my own version of our scouting report, but on the Reds and just took notes on everything I could see the players, the coaches, how they were interacting, the drills, you know mechanics. Um, the assistant hitting coach at the time, Donnie Ecker noticed me, talked to David Bell, got me on the field. And by the last half of my internship, I was spending the morning in the front office and for home games by two o'clock, I was dressed out. I was on the field, catching in for the coaches, um, warming up the players and the coaches watching BP. I'd go get food after that, you know, media dining, come back to the clubhouse prep for the game. And then I was monitoring hitter swing selection during the game. So, it was awesome for me. It's like, I was truly working with the coaches, working with the players. The coaches gave me like different projects to work on for them. And, um, my second to last day of my internship, they actually surprised me with my own Jersey, which was, yeah, like it was, I thought it was a joke at first, not the Jersey itself, (laughs) but I'd been talking to David one day and I was like, yeah, now all I need to do is, you know, wear the Jersey and I'll be part of the coaching staff. And he just looked (laughs) at me and goes, you want a Jersey? We can make that happen. And again, I thought he was joking until that second to last day. I saw it hanging up in the video room and I almost didn't want to touch it because I was so excited. <laughs> so I awesome. go out to the back um, BP and one of the clubbies goes, well, why aren't you wearing your jersey? I'm like, I don't want to get it dirty. I'm like, I'm scared away. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, so obviously still have that. Uh, from there, I moved up to Wisconsin. Hence why I'm here now. My last job was at Carroll University. I took their assistant athletic director position for compliance with the agreement that I would also be their volunteer assistant baseball coach. And three months into the school year, the head coach named me the hitting coordinator. So first time I had a true hitting job. First, you know, first season was uh, interesting. Um, Of course, you know, COVID shut us down like everybody else, but I was thrown into the fire. And it was a good thing. Like I had no idea what I was doing, but I was trying to figure it out. Spent pretty much all of our quarantine, just learning as much as I could doing all the certifications that I could afford, reaching out to coaches, connecting, doing zoom calls, just listening. 
And then, you know, by 2020 or towards the end of 2020, the Red Sox reached out to me about a position, did the interview process over about a week and a half, and then they offered me their coaching position. And then I was up here for a while, um, up until spring training. So I got to continue working with these guys. Again, why I'm, I'm back. I obviously missed them. So I'm here for about three weeks. But uh, yeah, that's that's how I got onto at least like with the Red Sox. Uh, this past season was awesome. I got to do way more than I expected. Uh, took over outfield, base running, worked with the hitters. I coached first for nearly every game. I helped the manager with practice planning, lineup, game reports. And um, it was a six-month seasonal contract. They promoted me to full-time as of November. Let's go. So I'll be, oh, I'll get to do more this coming up season, and I'm super excited. Oh, you, and you totally deserve it. I, I love just hearing stories because on the outside, we see like the, the cool Canva tweet, you know, we see all the, the really good publicity side, but we don't see the grind, right? We don't see yeah. the seven jobs while trying to coach baseball and still like have time for yourself mentally, right? It's like, we don't see the background noise that happens and, and the, the grind that coaches go through, especially just to get to a level that they're getting paid that they can go do what they love to do. And that it's, that's their main thing. And they don't have to work those other jobs. Um, but you said something really important in there. You said you called your dad, you started to cry. I kind of broke down. This isn't for me, but a couple of times you've mentioned the family piece about how important your family's been in this journey, how they've inspired you, how they've kind of just held you accountable and also just kept motivating you through um, all these different stops that you've had just so far up to this point. Um, how important is having a really strong support system, whether it's a coach, an athlete, just a human being like that strong support system and, and working in a really positive environment that can help us kind of thrive and get to those goals and, and achieve the things that we want to achieve? Extremely important. I give complete credit to my parents for where I am now. I mean, this is not an easy path. I mean, if you've coached at all, I mean, everybody knows this mm. is not an easy job to try to get to. Um, I've been in this game for 13 years and this is my first full-time job in baseball. Wow. So like just financially, especially, you know, having gone to grad school, I wasn't a graduate assistant, like the traditional one that my degree was paid for. Like I had to pay for it. I had to take out student loans. So the idea, like with all the moves, I think when I moved to Florida last year, that was my ninth move in nine years. I only paid for one of those. And that was the last one. Like my parents paid for all of my moves. They helped me with, you know, just getting my leases. They helped with food. I mean, when I was with the Rangers, my parents were the ones who found my apartment. So I didn't have to come down and actually look for one. They're the ones who, I mean, my very first day on the job, I think I got home about 630 and 10 minutes later, my dad was driving over with a plate of dinner for me. Oh, wow. So even something as simple as that, just having that mental, that physical, that emotional, that moral support, I mean, the financial support, I never would have been able to do it without them. And yeah, like I said, with the seven jobs, just being drained and calling my dad, he could have easily said, yeah, you know, you have your law degree, go take the bar, make some money for a while and then try to go back at it. But my parents raised us to, you know, pursue your passion. Money doesn't matter. The title doesn't matter. If it's something we want to do, they will help us out. I mean, even this off season, like I'm about to be 31 and I'm proud to say I still live with my parents. Like sure, I could, I sure, I, I'm sure I could find a short-term lease and Airbnb like some coaches do, but like, no, my parents were more than happy to let me move back in with them. I don't even, I'm not even there most of the time. I basically just store my stuff in one of the yeah. bedrooms. But they're happy to have me like I use their address as my legal residence. So they're going to get all of my mail. 
yeah. go through everything for me and then send it whenever I need it. So even now, like they're still supporting me. And what's crazy is like, it's, I'm not from a baseball family. My mom introduced me to the game. Yes. My sister is a pretty big baseball fan, but other than that, my dad, my stepmom, my stepdad, they're not really into baseball. They watch it just for me. Like they'll listen to me just wow. rant about players or about games. And I'm sure half the time they have no idea what I'm talking about, but they'll still <laughs> yeah. deal with it. Like they don't go to games on their own. They have even told me they'll only come to games when I'm coaching. So I know they're not like real baseball yeah. fans, but they'll, they'll do it yeah. anyway because they know how much I love it. And, um, and then outside of family, just having, yeah, the coaches that support me, I'm always trying to find people who have my back. And those are the ones that I truly, you know, try to stay in touch with, try to connect with. Uh, the Reds coaches were awesome, not just, you know, getting me on the field and helping me out there, but I still keep in touch with them. Like I'll still, if I have a question, um, an idea for, you know, some kind of strategy or some project I want to work on, I know I can text them and, you know, they'll give me an honest opinion. We're always checking up on each other. So that means the world too. I mean, there's so many, there are enough negative people out there who mm. don't think that women belong in men's sports at all. Forget just baseball, but any men's sport. So having that kind of support is really crucial because if all we see are the negative comments it starts to get to you mentally. Yep. And there's like just a lot of those distractions. And like you said, I mean, some people are on this corner, some people are on this corner. It's like you say, hey, screw it. I'm paving my own path. I'm chasing my own passions. I, that's what I love about this the most is like, I don't care what society says. I don't care what individuals says. I don't care what people might think. I'm going after my dream, regardless of what other people think, because it's my dream. It's nobody else's. Um, we run a, and I'll kick it off to you right after this, but we run a leadership academy, a virtual one. And we have a, a young girl who plays baseball as well and she's I think 15 or 16 now um, she's out in New York right and she's been pitching for a while same type of deal and uh, she doesn't probably know this but she's inspired me by her going out and paving the path making her high school baseball team going out there and pitching she wants to work in baseball one day um, but having that dream I know she looks up to somebody like you who said hey I'm going to ignore the noise. I'm going to go for it and attack my dream because it's my vision. Um, what's some of your best advice to just, let's say even just a young woman who wants to pursue a life in professional sports or even just coaching in general, and maybe they want to go into the male sports, whether it's basketball, football, baseball, and they feel like they don't belong or they feel like it's not right or they feel like, like what if I get judged or whatever it might be? What is your best advice to a young girl who's out there and has a dream to go chase that dream? Yeah, well, there's uh, pretty much two things like I live by. And one is just ignore the haters, mm. like ignore the comments, ignore the critics. And it's kind of twofold. I mean, there's ignoring it because most of the people who are going to make those comments have no idea about your background. They have no idea what you've done or what you've been through. And they probably don't even work in the sport. Mm. Like they're probably just sitting on their butts, just judging and unless it's like your supervisor who's actually deciding whether you're going to be hired or not, they have no impact on your life. They have no impact on what you're actually doing. So why, why listen to them? Why bother? Like it just, it doesn't matter. Um, at the same time, there are some comments where I actually use as fuel uh, just to kind of make myself better. And part of it is, yeah, the, I want to prove you wrong um, mentality, which is good and bad. I'd say like, don't let that be the only reason why you do something so you can prove people wrong. Like I also just want to be better. But like, so once I saw a comment um, after I was hired about how could I be a hitting coach if I've never faced a 95 mile per hour fastball? 
And of course, my first thought is, you know, once a softball is released, it's still coming in pretty much the same way. So at that speed, I kind of have already faced it. It's just different distance and different ball. But then my next thought was, huh, I wonder if the Red Sox will let me stand in a bullpen then. So it wasn't like me getting upset about the comment. It was like, all right, now I kind of want to do this. And it actually does make me a better hitting coach. Like, yes, I've faced it. Yes, I've played baseball. Obviously, you know, club baseball at the college level is not throwing 95. Otherwise, they'd be on the varsity team. (laughs) But I mean, I've still seen overhand. I've still seen those mechanics. It's just the speed. And if that's the case, then all right, let me stand in a bullpen. I don't actually have to hit the ball. I just need to see it, right? So like use those comments as fuel to get better. And then my other thing I live by is why not? If I, I mean, you're going to get no's all the time. Yes. You're, it only takes that one. Yes. But for all of those no's, why, why not? Why didn't I get the job? Why, what can I do better? How can I get to the point where you can't say no? And then again, when you hear somebody say you can't do something, well, why not? If it hasn't been proven that it's impossible, then you never know unless you try. Um, Another story I love is I was, um, so while I was here at Carroll in Wisconsin, I was also a private instructor. So worked with youths, I'm proud to say I've worked with, I think, seven to seven-year-olds to professionals at this point. But I was throwing plyo balls to a 12-year-old. Also another thing for coaches, if you ever thrown plyo balls, still get behind a screen because I got hit (laughs) right in the forehead by one. Thank God it was a 12 year old, but those things still hurt. They're heavy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was tossing plyo balls overhand and one was, I threw it so softly, it just dove. And one of our instructors in the cage next to us looked at me and said, did you just throw a curveball with the plyo? I was like, no, it was just a really soft pitch. And his response was, yeah, I guess that makes sense. You can't throw a curveball because there are no seams. Well, you know, some coaches might've said, yeah, you know, you can't. My thought was, huh. Now I kind of want to try to throw a curveball with the plyo ball. And he just looks at me and goes, I should not have said anything. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's what's going to happen when somebody tells me I can't do something until it is proven that it's impossible. I'm going to at least try. The worst thing that happens is then you can't do it, but at least you tried it. Like the worst it's for me, it's worse when you don't even bother trying to do it. At least try to get it out of the way. See if you can do it. And if you can even better. Now you're probably better than somebody else because you actually tried it. Um, just like I, I am not the hardest BP thrower, and I know that I don't have the strongest arm, but I can say I throw seven pitches from BP distance. Yeah, not man. a lot of coaches who can get a curveball to break from 40 feet away yeah, and actually man. break like a curveball. And that's one of those. Okay, why not? Like, what can I do to get better and get past that that weakness that I have? Um, yes. so yeah, that would be probably my two biggest things. And those are things that I've lived by my entire life to just try to get better at whatever I do. Love that, Bianca, your mindset is, it makes sense where you're at right now. You know, like you, you're always trying to improve and that's what the sign of a good coach is period is yeah, for me. I know I haven't made a whole lot up myself, but I've taken so many bits and pieces of things that I've learned across the years and kind of evolved into my own strategy for you. What are some people or coaches that you've really attached yourself to and and learned a lot from? Well, so uh, that's hard because there's so many. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that's like when I first started on Twitter, it was dedicated to just following sports teams and like a couple of bands that I was interested in. And at this point, I think two thirds of the people I follow are just coaches. Yeah. 
just to try to pick their brains. Um, I will say, I mean, I definitely latch onto whoever I'm working with for sure. Cause that's the easiest access for me. I hate to give him credit. <laughs> if he ever hears this, he's going to probably get on my case. We'll about clip it. It, yeah. Tester, um, obviously followed his stuff even before I got to work with him, but even after, I mean, guy knows his stuff as uh, much as I don't want to boost his ego, <laughs> but I mean, he's definitely one of those guys like I'll reach out to. I mean, we've got um, another coach in our organization, Corey Wimberly, who is our double A manager last year, um, just moved to a new position, so outfield and base running coordinator. And I've been working with him just trying to kind of pick his brain. I mean, our manager from last year, Jimmy Gonzalez, I'm always coming up to him and like asking questions. Hey, what do you think about this? Um, what should I do here? Hey, what, what uh, do you think we should work on this? I mean, just always reaching out to him. Um, pretty much all the coaches that I've worked with. Um, I mean, again, I'm, I'm just going to basically be naming off our coaching staff. But <laughs> Josh Prince, uh, Junior Zamora, there are hitting coaches down at the complex. Um, having like reported to them, working with our hitters, always asking them like opinion. What do you think on this? I mean, that's, that's one of the things I take pride in. Like I and not ashamed to ask questions anymore. And it took a while to get there. And the Reds actually helped with that because they made sure after every BP session, they asked me, what questions do you have? Like, what, what did you not understand today? Or like, what do you want to learn more about? And they always expected an answer. So I actually had to think about it and had to get to the point where I didn't think there, like, there are no stupid questions. Hmm. I mean, when you first get started, a lot of coaches, you get you feel like you have to know everything. And once I finally got to that mindset that I don't have to know everything, as long as I'm willing to learn it, that's when I can truly get better. So like I said, I mean, there's a lot of coaches that I could just name off that I've been, you know, following um, coaches that I'll, I'll just shoot a text if I have any questions, but definitely got to give credit to the coaching staff that I worked with because they taught me a lot. Um, so it was, uh, I mean, they've, they've been great. Yeah. It's important to make sure that your staff and your players all know that that's an open door policy and going forward without knowing an answer, acting like, you know, the answer is worse than asking the question in the first place. Um, last question for me before I send it back to buy, but what's the biggest difference? I, I coached college. I was the volley. I kind of worked my way up to, but I never made it to, you know, pro ball. I never got into that side of things. So what's been the biggest adjustment or difference with pro ball versus your time in college? Uh, besides just general skill level, I mean, biggest difference is pro level is actually more coaching the mindset and mentality than skill. I mean, they have the fundamentals down most of our practices. Yeah. We're just kind of going over the fundamentals because that's what baseball is. It's, you know, it's that repetitive, um, action. So by the time you get to the game, you're not thinking about it. You've done it so many times. So we're still pushing that fundamentals. Um, I mean, even just from a hitting standpoint, most of the guys, like you might have to tweak one or two things, but after that, it's just approach. It's mentality. Mm -hmm. It's timing. Like it's not mechanics. And I think that's the biggest thing. Having been a D3 coach for so long, you, you have to fix a lot of mechanics, especially with the freshmen coming in. So I'm, I got so used to doing that and then getting to approach once we get the mechanics down and then having to separate that for them, trying to get them to understand that, you know, in a game BP live, I don't want you thinking about mechanics. We're working on mechanics when we're doing front toss T when we're actually in the cages, you don't necessarily have to do that with the pro guys. 
because we kind of already had those mechanics down. Now it's just approach getting themselves ready for a professional season, getting themselves uh, like getting them used to the grind of a long season where they're traveling, where they're going to experience failure. Cause now these guys are facing the best of the best when they were the best before they were uh, drafted or signed. So it's, that's probably the biggest aspect is it's, yeah, it's more the mental side than anything at the pro level versus college. Yeah, that's a that's a huge one too. Cause like you you get there and and I got to play for a little bit. And when when I got there, I'm like, man, everybody's equally talented. Like there's beasts everywhere, right? But then you see and you go through the grind, you're like, man, why is this person not confident at all? And they're a first rounder with four million dollar signing bonus who was at Vanderbilt and played the national championship. Why is this person struggling and they throw 99 with the nastiest slider I've ever seen yeah. and they can't find the zone? And it all comes down to up here. We used to joke around, like obviously the five o'clock hitter analogies, but um, there were a lot of really talented players that never made it to the big leagues because they could never figure out how this thing works. And of course, yep. of obviously 140 games in the minors and then 162, but um, we're huge on the mindset here. And I think that's the missing ingredient, especially to take that next leap. And, and before we kick it back to Ray for a little special ending to this thing, which we fun, uh, I want to ask you one, just one last question here. You've done so much in your career in such a short time right? Like, like such a short time, you've, you've expanded so many barriers. You've done an awesome job. You're, you're making your way. You're such a role model for so many people in our world. What is something like, what is that one thing that you are most proud of in this short career that you've had so far? Uh, it's an interesting question. Um, obviously I'm proud of finally getting that full-time job that I wanted, uh, finally being able to just coach without having any other side jobs, but Honestly, I mean, my proudest, the thing I'm most proud about is um, anytime I get to work with a player and they start talking to me about something that's not related to baseball, Mm. because then I feel like I've really connected and established a relationship with them because it's easy for a player to go to their coach and yeah, that's all you talk about. But for me, part of my philosophy is like, I'm one, especially with college guys, when you graduate or if I leave. Like, I'm not suddenly not your coach anymore. Like, I want to help you on and off the field. And even it's the same with the pro guys. Like, I've got guys who I've already talked to. Like, when their career's done, what do you want to do? Like, because that's also really important, especially for professional guys. Like, that's their identity is baseball. And when they're done, you're not just going to throw them to the side and be like, well, I'm no, I've got nothing to do with you anymore. Like, our job is to help them, you know, learn life lessons too through this game. So it's really important for me to make sure that they understand that they can come to me, even if it's not about baseball. Sure, they're not going to come to me about everything, and that's fine, as long as they know that I'm not just here just to teach them the fundamentals. I'm not just here to to teach them the game. So yeah, the moment that any guy will just, even if it's something simple, like what they did over the weekend, like I feel like I've truly made that connection where they've like we've built that trust where they know that I'm not here to boost my career. I'm not here to, if this isn't about me, this is for them. And what they do off the field is just as important to me as what they do on the field. 
That's absolutely incredible. And that's just a testament to your character and who you are as a person. Uh, I'm kicking it back to Ray. We have a special game for you that we did not prep you on, but it'll be it'll yeah. be a lot of fun. So, Ray Mac, I'll let you explain the details. Yeah, we're going to put you on the spot. It's going to be like three minutes. Uh, I'm going to go through a list of 10 things. You're going to tell us you're on it or off it. On it, meaning that you're about it, you're for it. Off it, meaning it's not really your thing. And then just like one sentence as to why. Okay. All right. Uh, number one. Mario Kart in the clubhouse. I mean, I guess I don't play, but on it just because I mean team bonding. <laughs> okay. Something besides baseball. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Um, dill pickle sunflower seeds. Oh, off with it only because I don't like sunflower seeds because I had a hamster. So it's like <laughs> weird to see the, the food now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, number three, I, I was a '90s kid. Hey Arnold. Ooh, totally on it. Yeah. Was, yeah, yes. no. My, my mom, that was one of my mom's favorite shows. So I grew up watching that. Love it. Um, pickleball. Have you seen it? It's a yeah, that's like, I don't know. For old people. Actually, for old people. Oh, I <laughs> love pickleball. Awesome. Yeah, I don't think I've heard of this before. Oh, uh, <laughs> we'll get a game, a spring training game, like off the field team bonding, coach it. bonding. It, it's cool. Okay, yeah. Now, now I'm going to have to definitely look this up. <laughs> um, cherry pie. Off it. I'm not a pie person. Oh, it's all good. Yeah. Uh, here's an interesting one coming up. Valentine's Day. Ooh. Um, on it mainly because even though I'm single, the day after Valentine's Day, everything's discounted. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, Everything. Bunch of so candy. Good. I'm good. I I have no problem buying myself stuff for Valentine's Day. I love it. <laughs> uh, Spider Man. Ooh, on it. Yeah. Huge Marvel DC comic book fan. I just spent three hundred dollars on comic books over the over oh, Christmas. Nice. <laughs> Every Christmas it. is just Marvel and DC gear. So yeah, totally what, on it. What's your best comic book? Your favorite one in your collection? Ooh. Sorry, my little nerd chat here. My... <laughs> yeah, I love. It. I actually haven't started it yet, but I'm gonna say it's my favorite already because I'm so looking forward to it. I have the entire collection of What If from Marvel, wow. like the original ones, That's and legit. it's like this big and I cannot <laughs> wait to finally start it. And, it, and that's hard. Cause I've got, like, I try to find comics that are completely out of the norm. Yeah. So I've got like the obviously Avengers versus X-Men, but there's, um, I forgot the title, but the one where like all the superheroes basically get, a, um, are captured and the villains have to save the day. Okay. Yeah. One. So yeah. yeah. So <laughs> awesome. We're going to have to see a full spread of your collection here. So. Yeah. Um, number eight, banning the shift. Off it. <laughs> strategy. Sure. Yeah. I yeah. I mean, for me, it's still, it's still strategy. I'm not, you're not going to give a hitter like an opportunity. Like you're, if that's, yeah, if that's what their tendencies are as a hitter, you need to learn how to get away from that. Become a better hitter. That's right. Like if you, if you can't put the ball <laughs> in the left center gap, bye. <laughs> yeah. That was my kryptonite. Come on. Dead ball guy. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, two more. Um, pre-game spread. I mean, on it, but it depends on the spread. Yeah. <laughs> There's a hit and miss, no doubt. Um, the last one, Super Bowl is coming up. Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. I really have no opinion on that. I'm going to be honest. Um, I don't really care about either team. So. Okay. I like. I, I guess I'm neutral. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call myself neutral. Neither of my teams made it, so. What's your team? Giants and Steelers. Oh yeah, Northeast. 
Steer. Your dad's a Steelers guy. Yeah, he loves the Steelers. He's a huge fan. <laughs> he was That's let bad. down. Big Ben leaving. Okay, on it or off it, Big Ben retiring. <laughs> kind of on it. It's about time. Yeah, yeah, we could use some fresh blood. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, Bianca, we appreciate your time today. I know you're busy and, and you got a lot going on, but we're so grateful for the time you spent with us here. We love what you're doing. You're making a, a massive impact in that clubhouse. And something that stuck out to me was how the relationships that you're building with the players and just being able to get to know them as people and then impacting the mindset for years to come. So we're rooting for you this year we're excited for spring training it's only a couple weeks away let's go uh but we're fired up for you we'll be pulling for you and um let us know if there's anything that we can do on our end to help or anything well i appreciate it thanks again for having me on all right we're back uh awesome interview with bianca obviously coach smith um she is a driven individual there's no doubt mm-hmm. and, and that comes from family it comes from the way she was raised and uh comes from her focus on the next step as we were just talking about so uh what'd you think about the interview with bianca yeah i love i love her boldness and courage that she shows to keep working and it's awesome because she like she said on the interview she wanted to start being a gm right get into upper management and do something along those lines and then started to kind of be around the field see the players learn more ask questions and now she loves coaching right so i think for her i mean she's learning the game she's learning the people she's obviously played uh, as well in her life and so for her to go out there and make the impact that she's making and set the example for so many young women out there that are looking to do something a little outside the box right and a little th- a little more above and beyond that's so amazing what she's doing so super excited for her this spring uh, once things get rolling and then into the summer and for the impact that she's going to have on that clubhouse and in that organization and for so many people in this world just showing that if you set your mind to something if you're bold about it and you're going to go out there and and chase it you can do anything don't ever let anybody tell you no i thought that was a powerful message that she said as well yeah and go get it you know i think Mm -hmm. when she was talking about her going down and and no one's going to invite you to come do something that you know they don't know you want to be a part of so she was going down sitting front row in the stands writing a million notes down just to provide a little bit of value for the coaching staff even though that wasn't even her space at that time, you know, and eventually they're like, Hey, come on out, you know, do this. And then it's like, okay, well, let me start asking you questions. And then building on that informational database in her head and making her a better coach because of it. She had mentioned so many coaches uh, that have helped her along the way. And that is no different, whether you are the first female African-American professional baseball coach or an up and coming 19 year old volley, like it doesn't matter, go out, go get it and make sure you're adding value to the team and the people that you're working with over and over that is tried and true so uh bianca thank you so much for joining us and for you guys for listening uh, this has been awesome this to see this thing grow and the summer schedule that we have coming up which is bonkers make sure if you are in any of those areas or you want to get us out there we are still expanding uh and we're going to be out, able to get out there and see you project sandlot meetup college world series get a pop make sure you join us then uh, and that's going to be in june for our players and our teams that we've been watching. Good luck to you guys this week, and uh, we can't wait to see you soon.